Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, May 15th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of a two part Osmo Luna community space, hosted by Cosmos Django and Connor Bronston. Let's take a listen. Welcome to the spaces. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> Seen you guys a lot recently. Uh, really I know, nice. Tom. <laughs> How's it Long going? time no see, man. It's been like yeah. what twelve hours? Yeah, like one space ago, which was. Yeah. I don't measure my life in hours anymore. It's by Twitter Spaces. So nice to see you guys again, though. Happy Happy Sunday or whatever. Good morning, hey Sefi. How's it going? Good, good, awesome. Thanks for organizing. Good to see everyone here. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much for organizing. Great initiative. Yeah, I saw that Connor had hosted the spaces with Tor and thought that this was such a great idea because a lot of people are looking for a support net. And yeah, what a better way to have like a cathartic outlet than have a spaces with everyone so we could talk about this. Yeah, 100%. We actually did one with Juno as well. We did one with um, Secret, uh, with Tor and, and then with Juno as well. And it's it's just been like... I think I've said it already, probably you guys have heard me say this three times already, but it's just been amazing connecting with all the other Cosmos communities and, you know, feeling like even though our home has kind of imploded, um, that, you know, we've been welcomed into all these other amazing communities um, surrounding us. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's actually been, you know, turned a, a, a bad feeling into, into like a really kind of inspiring and hopeful kind of feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the the whole ecosystem is such a tight knit space too. And the stack is totally uh, composable. So the skills that you've acquired um, getting bootstrapped in Luna is just transferable. And so I think it's such a natural thing for everyone else in the Cosmos community to want to cast that support net. Yeah, for the lunatics. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I look, I think, you know, projects that are looking for a a home and quickly um obviously cosmos chains make the most sense right because of the compatibility of the contracts um i'd, I'd love to hear more about osmosis though we've been like looking at obviously juno and secret um as, as you guys know but i'd really like to hear because as far as i know that there aren't any other apps built on on osmosis except osmosis right is it is it even possible to actually build other apps on osmosis and what's that project what's that process look like um someone i think said it was a permission chain it's not permissionless so yeah i mean if i see sunny's here and obviously you guys know a lot about osmosis as well so we'd just love to hear like what it would take for for a, a terra dap to to migrate across and if that's even a possibility yeah, absolutely. And Sunny and Josh are here too. So um, they could speak to that. Hey, yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to start off by, you know, just saying, you know, my heart goes out to everyone who was, you know, 
impacted by the events of the week. It's been a bit of a rough week for everyone, I'm sure. Uh, you know, osmosis also being so like very kind of tightly integrated with the Terra ecosystem. You know, I, I think about a third of all Osmo liquidity was paired with UST and Luna. And so that definitely caused quite a bit of a hit uh, for osmosis. Um, but yeah, so, but, you know, I know a lot of people were even more hardly impacted. And, you know, last couple of days have just especially been like crazy, you know, helping coordinate multiple Terra forks as well as, uh, uh, you know, working on osmosis up emergency upgrades. But yeah, anyways, um, I can tell you, so yeah, I can start off a little bit on like, you know, osmosis and like what's the point, the vision here. So, you know, our goal is, in Cosmos, we kind of like really heavily believe in these like app chains um, where, you know, our our vision is that like every app should be its own blockchain. And that's like how it's going to, you know, you get all these like benefits and cool things when you do that. Um, and os- the goal of Osmosis, you know, Osmosis is to be the best DEX in the world. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons that we're able to do that. I mean, you know, the Cosmos SDK gives a lot of benefits over, I think, any other stack, to be honest, um, as well as, you know, we, by having this like sort of app chain model, uh, there's a lot more flexibility and control that we have that enables us to do very cool things like super fluid staking or being able to pay transaction fees in any token you want or um, all these like stuff with like around front running resistance that we're going to be working on and so um and having that like fully sort of vertically integrated stack gives us the ability to do that um but that being said we actually added uh cosmwasm we have so osmosis is running cosmwasm 1.0 uh as of like you know about a month and a half ago or so um and but yes as you know, what people might be aware of is it is a permissioned version of Cosmosm. It is, and what I mean by permissioned version is you need to make a governance proposal in order to deploy a contract or, so Cosmosm is actually kind of cool because, uh, you know, you, there's like deploying code and there's instantiating contracts. So you need to make a governance proposal to deploy code and then instantiation of contracts is permissionless. Um, but so yeah, if there's a new code being deployed, that requires a, a a governance proposal. And the point of this was that, like, you know, Osmosis doesn't isn't trying to become a generalized smart contracting chain. I think Osmosis loses a lot of its flexibility and stuff when if when that happens. But at the same time, you know, the goal of Osmosis is to be compete with uh, centralized exchanges. And centralized exchanges are this like suite of products that are packaged into one sort of very unified, well-integrated system. So centralized exchanges, they have their spot markets, but they also have margining and they also have perps. And they, but they also have like, you know, uh, fiat on-ramps and, you know, uh, information services and launch pads and like all these like all, all these like different suite that are packaged into one unified experience. Nowadays a lot of uh most centralized exchanges seem to be ha- having an NFT marketplace as well. Um and so 
I think the osmosis chain as a whole needs to provide that uh, similar suite of products. And I think that happens by having more teams participate in building that suite of products together. But at the same time, we don't want to become this like madhouse of, you know, many, many contracts being deployed. And, you know, we would rather have 20 amazing apps on Osmosis instead of 200 uh, mediocre apps deployed. And, you know, like if you look at something like Ethereum, right, what ends up happening is the rate of innovation grinds to a halt because you have 10,000 contract apps deployed on it and you can't break any of them. And so you can't, you have, you know, you can't make any, like, you kind of become very restricted on your ability to make, like, interesting protocol level changes. Um, meanwhile, if we have, like, 20 dApps on it, which are, like, one, all working together very seamlessly and, like, are all well integrated with each other, then it's much easier to coordinate, like, hey, let's all, like, you know, there's this new change that's coming that adds this new privacy feature to Osmosis, but, like, everyone's front ends have to go, uh, you know, upgrade to handle that, for example. And it's much easier to coordinate these uh, sort of protocol layer changes with this, like, more tight-knit suite of apps. And so, you know, the goal, what we're trying to do right now on Osmosis is find the, you know, we've already been sort of working on this, to be honest, like, you know, before the events of this week, but I guess, you know, now there's a lot more projects out there that are looking for a home. And what we're trying to do is like, uh, find the top, projects of like that we you know who are the who are the top yeah who are the top projects from the from the from the terra ecosystem and have and work with them to build this like very unified um experience on top of osmosis think of it like the ios app store model where you know you have to go through this like apple review process before you can deploy an app to the uh ios app store but it's like meant for like for quality assurance and like making sure that users have like the proper UX. And so that's sort of how Osmosis is thinking about this. You know, Cosmos is permissionless. Osmosis is a little bit more opinionated. That's a great perspective, Sonny. I really appreciate you kind of giving us a quick summary there, especially for lunatics in the audience who maybe don't know the specifics of, of Osmo. I think that's some excellent context for us. Uh, I really want to make sure we get Hutch's perspective on potential for like collaboration with Osmo or um, just maybe a, a general thoughts on on the future of some of the, the Terra D apps that he, he's worked with because I know he's got to run here in about 30 minutes. So Hutch, do you want to uh, speak to that? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Connor. Um, yeah. And Sonny, I, I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that perspective. Uh, I will say that uh, uh, I did, I do have Osmo. Uh, ironically, I got it because uh, one of the earlier interviews last year with Del Quan, I heard him saying that that was his next biggest holding next to Terra. Uh, but after getting some and uh, doing some of the LPs and, and actually forced myself to not have them all be Luna LPs, thankfully, um, 
and, and just the UI, the user experience was wonderful. Uh, I thought there was some really innovative features like the superfluid staking that for those that don't know, that's the ability to be in an LP, earn really nice yields. But then uh, for the Osmo part of the LP, that could actually be staked while you were in the LP. And so I know we had talked about doing stuff like that with the Luna B Luna, but that's actually already existed uh, in Osmo. So I think I think there's something to that. I'm just going to be really, really frank with everybody here. Um, I, I don't know if I can ever trust an Algo stablecoin again. Uh, certainly, I don't think I can, in good faith, uh, recommend it to others. I'm sure a lot of you, like me, are you know, feeling foolish and uh, foolish and ashamed that, um, you know, we were so excited and and got other people to uh, get involved in a project that got tanked to zero in, in the span of, of days. And so I'm going to be a lot more um, I'm going to be more critical about things and I'm going to be asking a lot more questions going forward. And so I I don't think that people necessarily need the stablecoin feature, although it'd be nice, I don't think people need that as the hub. And I think what pe people really want is like that ultimate experience of an app store. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, for sure, this is the way but I think that based on my personal experience from using Osmo, I think that's something that that we should take a closer look at and and ask the hard questions and, and see if that's a good fit. Because if there can be this suite of, you know, the cream of the crop tools, um, uh, a vetting process to where the experience was uh, amazing for users uh, throughout whatever was being offered there, I think that's going to be enough for a lot of people to um, to get indoctrinated into. Uh, I don't I don't think that stable coins as as great of a dream as it is. I don't think that it exists. And I'm going to even go so far as to say the U.S. dollar, U.S. dollar, which is touted as the ultimate stable coin of the world. It lost its peg to inflation last year in a big way. <laughs> and so uh, the way I look at it from an ex money manager is there's no place to hide anymore. You have to kind of pick your poison and there's varying, varying degrees of risk and liquidity concerns and everything else. And so um, I think as, as we're looking to migrate, instead of just doing Terra 2.0 and say, we're going to do it bigger, faster, whatever. I mean, let's face it, the bank of England, England got torpedoed by the same kind of attack. And so my personal view, and these are just my personal views is as lunatics are looking for places to migrate, I think we should just focus on functionality, user experience, and those things that we did really, really well, and just be true to our school and, and stick to those core competencies. I, I appreciate you guys letting me up. Uh, I'll stay on for a little bit as uh, a speaker in case somebody uh, has another question, but I will have to jump down in about 10 minutes. Thanks, Thanks Hutch. That was great. Uh, and then the DJ, and I see you looks like you've got something to contribute there as well. Yeah. So. I've kind of played around in the cosmos a little bit. Um, and I, I mean, for my views as to kind of what Osmos is, and I, I kind of want to learn a bit more about it because to my knowledge, it's at the, at the moment, almost like an astral port, like a swap and LP uh, place where you can kind of like um, get onto the different cosmos native chains pretty easily um, back and forth. Um, so when I'm thinking of like compared to Luna, um, 
is is it going to be or is it like pretty much with your Osmo wallet you can connect to these different D apps and like or or how exactly does Osmo's zone work? Yeah. Um so by the way, I wanna want to touch uh Hutch's question about stable coins in a in a little bit, but um let me ask this, this one really quick first. So yeah, I mean, you know, the goal of Cosmos is like to provide this like it, it it's kind of weird. It's just like kind of almost balancing act that needs to be played, where you have all these different chains built on Cosmos. And you know, I've talked a lot about how like the beauty of it is the customizability and stuff. But then at the same time, you also want some level of standardization that allows, um, you know, the UX to still feel seamless across these different chains. And so, you know, that's definitely one of the big, you know, things that's required a lot of balancing. And, you know, the Cosmos ecosystem's done a pretty good job at it so far. Um, you know, I'm, hopefully most people are at least familiar with the IBC protocol, but that's what, that's the protocol that lets you, you know, sort of, do thing interactions between chains and like you know what people know it as now is like sending tokens this is you know one of the most basic things that ibc can do like ibc is you know how, how you need to think about it is it's like the tcp ip protocol um the tcp ip protocol like that allows computers to talk to each other it, it lets two communicate two computers communicate with each other but it doesn't tell you what they're communicating about, right? And so what they're, that's why on top of like TCPIP, you have all these other protocols like SMTP for mail or FTP for file transfer or HTTP for web. Um, and you have all these different uh, protocols that are built on top. And the same is true for IBC. So today we have ICS20, Interchain Standard 20, which is for token transfers. But this this is just like sort of scratching the surface on how like cross chain composability will work in like the cosmos. So you know we th this is big new one called interchain accounts, which allows a transaction an account on one chain to make a transaction on a different chain, and you know this opens up really a world of possibilities because now you can have like cosmosm contracts on one chain make contract calls to other Cosmosm contracts on different chains. And it's like, you know, it's going to become this like really cool mesh of Cosmosm everywhere, uh, which is really exciting. But um, and now, so, you know, to your question about like user experience and how do accounts work and everything. So uh, one thing that people might not know is um, the, along with the 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 osmosis uh, like team, like it's also the, the maintainer of the uh, Kepler wallet. So the Kepler wallet is sort of like the, you know, main wallet for the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, basically, the primary wallet used by almost every chain, maybe other than Terra. Um, and so, you know, and so the, the Kepler team that, been, you know, builds it, it, they've spent a lot of time, like, really focused on how to get the UX of all these chains to, uh, be seamless, so you can you know use uh, use it with Osmosis as well as with Stargaze as well as with the Cosmos Hub and like there's all these like chains that you can use it with very uh, seamlessly and getting this UX uh, possible. So uh, 
I, I guess my question was more so like to, to my knowledge for the Cosmos chains, like you have each chain that kind of does its own thing, like Stargaze uh-huh. for NFTs, uh, Juno for smart contracts, um, and kind of so on and so forth. Um, and then Osmos is kind of that place that directly links them all is kind of what my understanding of it. So I, I'm not or Yeah, Osmosis is kind of where you bring them to swap them through the chains and and get into the LP pools and stuff like that. But is Osmosis like more than that? Or is that kind of its role in the Cosmos? I would say that is its primarily primary role in the Cosmos as of now. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, our goal is to compete with centralized exchanges. And this like simple spot trading is just one of the things that centralized exchanges do. Right. And so, you know, our team actually for a while has been building like a lending protocol so we can support like margin trading, for example. But, you know, we, we might be uh, dropping that because uh, there are some other lending protocols interested in coming to Osmosis that uh, I think we will might let them take the lead on the lending work. Um, but yeah, so the, you know, eventually the goal is every functionality you see on your, on Coinbase or FTX, uh, expect we have something similar on the osmosis chain. That's the goal. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, as to kind of Hutch's thing there too, with the stable coin, I think, um, Yes, like it would be nice to eliminate a stable coin and just have like a universal this is money kind of thing. But I think also um, with kind of the new DeFi stuff and kind of onboarding people that are day to day finance users, I think there has to be some sort of stable coin, whether it's backed by something or collateralized by something that tracks a dollar, just so like obviously. Oh, go ahead. To, to be clear, I, I wasn't saying there should be no stable coins on it. I'm just saying I don't I don't think Terra 2.0 should necessarily try and build a bigger, better stable coin. Like there, there are stable coins out there that that brief function and people will want to LP them. People and will guys, want to use guys, them. Briefly, just as a brief editorial in the middle of this uh, before Sunny gets into the stable coin question, it's it's not really clear yet that. Um, any stable coin, including USDC and Tether, can actually uh, survive against um, certain levels of attack. Um, there, you could get really complicated into sort of why that would be, and I don't really want to kind of like dig into that at this moment. But um, one of the big, I think, uh, risk vectors, um, Vitalik's mentioned it, and others, obviously, uh, bridges are, are a serious non-scalable financial risk vector. Um, there's, you know, layers upon layers of reasons why even a backed stable coin is highly questionable and non-scalable uh, on a global scale. So, uh, you know, and, and I think uh, maybe Sunny could men- talk about that as well, the issue of bridges. Um, IBC's goal is obviously to have a system whereby essentially you're not really, quote unquote, bridging. Um, but once you bring in uh, bridged assets from outside, you know, there's elements of contagion, there's elements of, you know, attack vectors, security problems, and all sorts of things that emerge there. That was kind of like one general area I think uh, maybe Sunny could address. Just real quick with, with the stable coin, I think as long as our pro- our, the project 
isn't offering the stable coin, regardless of what happens to the stable coin on an exchange, at least then it's not the culpability of Osmo or Terra 2.0 or whatever. That's that's what I was saying. I don't think we should be the one offering or hosting the stable coin because that seems to be the the place it's going to get the most attacked, whether it be regulatory or whether it be whatever, predatory, financial, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So um, I can t talk a little bit about, maybe I'll talk a little, do you want to talk about bridges first or? or e either or one. Yeah. Just kind of the uh, idea. To me, it's like they're kind of a conjoined set of risk factors only because bridges tend to be a big sort of like choke mm -hmm. point for movement of stable coins back and forth from different exchanges and mm -hmm. and other factors. So it just kind of, it all kind of ends up tying together in my view. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so when it comes to stable coins, you know, as as people might notice, there's a lot of incentives being, you know, a lot of the incentives that were originally on the uh, UST Osmo pool are being moved to the USDC Osmo pool. And USDC, the USDC that we're using is uh, the version from Ethereum that is bridged over the Axelar uh, network. So, you know, anyone who, you know, for people who are newer to the Osmosis community, uh, we've had this like sort of maybe a little bit overly drawn out uh, bridge process, uh, selection process over the last few months where it was like very sort of community oriented, where instead of like the dev team picking something, it was like, you know, uh, we had this like proposal system and like town hall and like on-chain governance votes. Um, but basically we were selecting between a number of bridge providers and we ended up uh, choosing Axelar uh, for a number of reasons I can get into why, you know, I think you know, the, the, their product is really good. Um, but the, you know, uh, I wish I wish the bridges were up a little bit sooner. It would be nice to have some liquidity to other assets, other stable coins uh, prior to this week. But I mean, it, it, so incentives are already going to go up for USDC as of this week anyways. It just so, it was supposed to, it went active like on Saturday or something, I think. But like, you know, timing is what it is. But um, so, okay, so the main, so, you know, I think the Axlar team's like bridge solution is like quite good because it will, you know, it can support quite a bit of value. It's a proof of base, a proof of stake based system. It's not like, you know, some of these other valid bridges where it's like, oh, we're running a, a single SGX node or something. Or, you know, it, it actually has like, you know, higher economic security behind it with a decentralized validator set. Um, and then we're also like sort of working with the team um, to like build a lot of like safeguards into the protocol. So like, you know, smart contract bugs are always a risk. Um, building like fail safes where it's like, okay, look, you shouldn't really be able to send more than, if like more than 25% of your bridges uh, volume is trying to like leave in like one hour, there's probably a hack or something. There's probably some issue going on, right? And so like, you probably should like halt the bridge and be like, okay, wait, wait, wait. There needs to be some like, you know, manual intervention that says, okay, there's not a hack going on, let's restart it or something. So building in these, um safeguards is very important um then long term we are also uh sort of working with the uh circle team to uh, uh eventually get a native version of usdc onto uh osmosis basically so you know the circle team wants to get a usdc into cosmos um and they kind of are seeing osmosis as one of the 
sort of obvious places to issue that. Um, and so by issuing it on osmosis, that it at least, you know, I think the Axlar system will, will, you know, be able to sustain quite a bit of uh, stable coins. But like, you know, in the world where we want billions to tens of billions of dollars of like stable coins on, on, on osmosis, having that sort of native issuance from Circle will help because it just removes one point in that uh uh, you know, trust chain that's needed. Um, but that way, so that way, then you know, the economic security of Axlar can then be used for other assets like ETH and stuff that can't be issued, quote unquote, natively on osmosis. Yeah, interesting. Um, uh, so, from the perspective of growth of osmosis, uh, the cosmos in general, though, like I, I, I currently don't see an out from the idea of like you. You know where would liquidity come in? Um, how would people get to osmosis? Um, the, it just seems like the most obvious vector for that would be a stable coin, and was one of the more exciting things about you know having a functioning UST. Actually, was you know that was what was the where a lot of the optimism came from for Cosmos. It was like a uh, a way to onboard people. So I think that continues to remain a factor. It's just a question of like uh, the overall. Uh, safety of the system and whether, like you know, USDC long run will be, um, in a sense, any better. Um, I'm still not 100% convinced of that. Neither a lot of like more, like hardcore Bitcoin crowd, right? <laughs> like so, you'll continue to get that that criticism, I suppose. Although I think there is some consensus around centralized exchanges that they're willing to support. Um, USDC and, and even Coinbase doing like one-to-one -one remittance and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I think the, the entire situation has kind of rubbed everyone the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, USDC is at least fully collateralized, as uh, at least they claim. Um, and it's like definitely much more regulatory uh, compliant. And like that obviously comes with some hurdles where you know they have they can freeze assets as on on demand as as wanted, but at the same time, you know at least you know with some trust in Circle and Coinbase and the other entities within Center, at least we're not going to see an economic attack on USDC that will cause it to go to zero because they are at least have the assets to back it. Hey, Safi. I wanted to ask you, you know, what was the thinking behind um, having UST be the liquidity on-ramp into the rest of the Cosmos ecosystem? Um, because on Osmosis, that on-ramp is the atom. So, so why is, you know, why was that even sure. part of the thinking? Yeah, in fact, like as when I first started using um, Cosmos, it was via Atom, and um, for full disclosure, um, I am an Atom staker and holder and such. Um, yeah, it was definitely uh, uh, the a simple way uh, in terms of bringing liquidity on board, no question about it. But I think um, the stablecoin version of a way to get on board is actually much, 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 much more, I would say, uh, something that can be understood by the average person. Because every time you swap assets, there's 
everything from tax consequences to like explaining what Adam actually is. And, you know, there's just these layers of friction for the average user. Uh, for crypto natives, I think it's not a big deal, you know, like probably most of us here. But for the total newbie, it represents just an, another layer of friction, uh, transactional mess um, for people in terms of, uh, yeah, their, their, their personal ledgers. Um, it just, uh, it, it, the friction actually reduces onboarding speed uh, dramatically, I, I would say, because the general public, you know, just doesn't understand um, exposure to, I would say, an unstable asset and how to deal with that exposure um, as part of their like day-to-day -day experience. So that was why I thought uh, USP would be super important to have a native Cosmos-based stable that um, we can connect via IBC, not have to rely upon external bridges. So, you know, all of the various financial attack mechanisms aside, conceptually, it's super, super interesting. Um, uh, obviously, the, the fact that you have like a censorship resistant uh, coin that allows all of your decentralized systems to work if something were to happen with censorship, like, for example, if Circle has to censor um, certain tranches of money that are in who knows what uh, uh, dApps and smart contracts, then like what happens, right? And so this was kind of part of it as well. It's like de development velocity, um, the idea that your dApps will actually run when the time comes, and then simultaneously like the frictionless process of onboarding newbies or or average users, I should say, of people and how they deal with money in general, right? Like that, these are the concerns. And that was what was optimistic about that situation. Um, you know, if, if not, maybe impossible. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, I totally, I totally agree with that, Sefi. And actually that's one of the, the things that attracted us most to um, Terra in the first place when we were deciding which chain um, to build loop on um, was the fact that you could um, easily you know, onboard in UST and, even more importantly, you can pay transaction fees in UST. And I think that, you know, conceptually for new users, that just makes a lot of sense. Everyone's used to paying transaction fees in, you know, in their local fiat currency, right? But then when you suddenly have to ask someone to pay, okay, you know, imagine I'm on, um, you know, a, an NFT marketplace, for example, and I've never actually visited that chain before. I'm just, I just want to buy an NFT. And then suddenly I'm being required to pay transaction fees in a token which the name of the token isn't even related to the name of the NFT marketplace. I don't even necessarily know that I'm using that chain. I mean, of course, I've downloaded a wallet, but, you know, even the name of the wallet isn't related to the, you know, the name of the, the, the token that I have to pay the transaction fee in. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like, okay, well, how, how could we potentially replicate that beautiful user experience, you know, in Cosmos? And I was wondering if there was kind of a way that, you know, if, the, if there is, a, a, I guess, a native or, you know, even if it's USDC, um, stablecoin introduced into Cosmos, if all the chains, and I know that Cosmos chains can do this, is that they can have different options for paying transaction fees. If It would be great if all the chains kind of agreed, okay, let's all allow people to pay transaction fees in, in USDC or whatever whatever stablecoin it is. So I was just wondering what, what people's thoughts on that were. Yeah, so I 100% agree with you. Uh, so, you know, one of the, I remember there was like a few years ago I was building, I was teaching a friend how to like you this on like Ethereum and I was teaching him how to use like die for payments. And, you know, I was like, Oh, we can pay each other for lunch with this. And just like back when ETH fees were reasonable. 
but like it was like hey i sent so i made i taught him how to open a wallet and everything and then i sent him some dye and i was like cool try sending it back to me and then he's like it's not working and it's like what and then it's like oh you don't have eth to pay the transaction fees and it's like this is silly um and so then we're like yeah i don't i don't think he ever used ethereum again after that to be honest uh and like so this is why you know this that 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 experience had stuck with me for a while and so this is why actually on osmosis what we did was you can today on osmosis you can actually pay transaction fees in any token you want uh well, okay, technically any whitelisted token governance has to approve it. But like, you know, it, it, what it will do is you can come in and say, hey, I want to pay my transaction fee in Atom or in STARS or in UST or in like, and what, was, what would happen is you'd pay the fee in that and then it would check the va- Osmo value of your transaction fee uh, according to the DEX. Uh, according to the AMMs. And then, so as long as, you know, it'll say like, okay, you're trying to pay like this much in fees in stars. Okay, this is actually worth this much Osmo. This is a valid fee or not. So, you know, on Osmosis, we already support this functionality of like, you know, so with US, you can pay your transaction fees in USDC if you want. And this was like, you know, was an important UX point for us. And one of the things we could do with our app chain. Um, and one of the things that we're working on then is actually allowing other Cosmos chains to make use of this as well, because we are, you know, all the uh, TWAP prices on Osmosis, uh, we're working on basically enabling those to be like uh, exportable or queryable via IBC. So, you know, we can send, so, you know, the Stargaze chain, for example, doesn't need to have its own native DEX on it, but it, it's able to know, like, okay, look, this is the, price of usdc in stars uh and they can have that on their chain so that way they can accept both usdc and stars for transaction fees on their chain or they can accept whatever you know combination of tokens they want so i think that this is something that the cosmos ecosystem is already aware of and is working on and moving towards and we already have it running that, on us and working on exporting it to more chains that's awesome yeah i hadn't actually realized i guess i've always just paid my TX fees on Osmosis in Osmosis. I didn't actually realize you could um, choose uh, other options. Um, well, part how, of it, how, how for the longest time, do... our fees on Osmosis were zero, uh, and you can still pay zero fees today, actually. So, uh, <laughs> right. partially why no one's noticed. <laughs> Probably, I just never even look. Um, but how does that work from a validator perspective? I mean, do they then get paid in all of the different tokens that people are being are paying their fees in, or do the, does it all get converted into Osmo at some point and then validators get paid out that way? Or I'm just curious. I'm glad you asked, Tom, because I'm really curious as well. Yeah. So uh, what currently happens is they get paid out in all the tokens. Uh, what's happening in the next upgrade is once per day they get back sold for Osmo and then uh, distributed as Osmo. Right. That's awesome. I'm guessing with interchain accounts. So if I have, you know, let's say I have USDC on Osmo and I go and try to purchase a an NFT on Stargaze, does that mean I'll be able to use my USDC on Osmo to pay for that? Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question one more time? Like, so I'm thinking... I'm asking with the with the interchain accounts um, that you mentioned um, that are coming to uh, Cosmos... Does that mean that if I have USDC, say, on Osmosis and I want to buy an NFT on Stargaze, 
that I don't have to first transfer the USDC across from Osmosis to Stargaze and then pay for the NFT, that I can just pay for the NFT directly on Stargaze and it will automatically transfer the USDC across for me from my Osmosis account? Yes, that will be possible. Um, I think that, like, that's possible. I think that actually could have all been sort of hidden away on the UI side of things, to be honest, where like, so, so the thing is like, you know, accounts are um, private keys and the same private key works on multiple chains. And so, you know, we're already making it so that, you know, we're working on it so that you can like be like, Hey, I want to make this action. Like, you know, I have USDC on osmosis. I want to go buy this NFT on, on stargaze. You know, you could have actually done, made that feel like a single click just via like UI hacks. Um, I think interchain accounts will make it easier, but I think you could have already done that. Where interchain accounts really shine is not for um, you externally owned accounts, EOAs as we call them in Ethereum, but it's it's for contracts and for smart wallets and code. Where you know, currently in you with with uh, interchain accounts, you could have a DAO on Osmosis by a smart contract on uh, on Stargate by by, by an NFT on Stargate. So, like for example, there was actually this like uh, one you know the Terra community pool had actually uh, a couple months ago put external incentives on the on some of the Osmo pools, and but to do that, the Terra community there was actually someone had to take custody of those tokens, uh, transfer them to Osmosis, and then put them back in the community pool because there wasn't a way for the Os- for the Terra community pool to send directly to the Osmosis community pool. But now with interchain accounts, that's possible. There's no intermediary that has to like be the one that takes takes in, that into account. So now you can have like true blockchain to blockchain communication rather than like users making transactions on two different blockchains. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, and, and that's amazing. I just have one last question before I uh, yield the floor to others. But um, with Kepler, I've noticed obviously when you're making um, IBC transfers, you have to manually input the channel. Um, and I was just wondering, you know, why that was the case and if, if there's a plan in the future, obviously, to, to automate that. Because I think for new users trying to use IBC, that's um, quite a, a complex obstacle. Yeah. So, so the reason there's channels is because of the way IBC is architected uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you actually can have, you know, it's designed to be extremely permissionless uh, where you know, there can be multiple channels between the same two chains, and that's necessary for like some of the permissionless properties of IBC. Um, but what ends up happening is you have like these canonical channels that like, hey, everyone standardizes on using these channels as like the primary way to go between, you know, Osmosis and the Cosmos Hub. Um, so, you know, I. The Kepler IBC integration was sort of built in the very early days of IBC when a lot of the standards and stuff, you know, no one had built an interface at all to use IBC at all. And so the Kepler team was able to like quickly hack, you know, 
put something in the wallet so people can at least test it. Um, I would say the first real uh, usage of IBC was when Osmosis launched. So if you go to the Osmosis uh, assets page, so if you go to app.osmosis.zone, you go to the assets page. And what we tried to do was we tried to make the process of using IBC for token transfers, you know, because we're a DEX, we tried to mimic the uh, user experience of a centralized exchange as much as possible. So like, it barely even says the word IBC on that page, but really we just had it be like deposits and withdrawals. And we'd said, okay, if you deposit, it's doing an IBC transaction from the other chain to here. And if you do a withdraw, it withdraws it, it sends it back. And um, so essentially, what I, essentially, I think there's a lot of work to be done still on the UX of IBC. And I think like Osmosis has definitely been like sort of the one that's built out a lot of the current UX. And, you know, I think, you know, some of this stuff just has to get backported into Kepler now where like, you know, so we have the, we, 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 you can, we, uh, the Osmosis team built this thing called the uh, Cosmos chain registry, which you can, it's on GitHub, but basically it's like one of the things, one of the things it does is it says, oh, here's the canonical channels between all the chains. And so, you know, importing that into Kepler and probably like by default hiding the non-canonical channels and stuff. There's a lot of the UX work still left to go. Yeah, uh, that's I, awesome. It's great to hear that. Um, yeah, that that's that's underway. Yeah, I love using IBC on, on obviously on Osmosis directly because it just chooses a channel automatically for you. But you know, it's only for obviously importing into and out of Osmosis, not between the other the other Cosmos. Yeah, I would chains. recommend right now don't use uh, don't use the Kepler IBC integration unless you really know what you're doing. I think in fact it was uh, hidden by default. Now it's like you have to dig through the settings to find it. Um, so. Yeah, so, you know, uh, usually what will happen is, like, you know, even if you're trying to go between other chains, right, they'll, like, be a, uh, like, so, for example, if you go to, like, if you ever use, like, bridge.terra.money in order to send UST to Osmosis, that was, like, just a front end for using IBC in the back end, in the back as well, so. Um, yeah, no, that that was great, but unfortunately, that actually stopped working um, recently, and I think a lot of people were trying to get um, uh, tokens off Terra. And in fact, I don't even know if there's a bridge available at the moment, is there? Because I know some people on Terra still have secret tokens or Osmo tokens, which had been bridged across via IBC, and now yeah. they can't actually get get them back to their original chains. Does Does anyone know of a solution for that? Uh, yeah, so that was actually one of the things. So uh, this happened last week, or uh, end of, tail end of last week, where uh, you know there was two times that the, the validators had stopped the Terra chain. The first time was to uh, solve like a security problem with staking where like because the value of Luna crashed so hard it was or sorry, more than just a process crash it was a security issue. But then the other was um yeah so the validators stopped the chain to kind of like regroup and figure out what to do. And they did two things. One they turned off the Terra swap, like the the Terra mint burn system. And then they also the validators decided to uh, close the IBC channels to uh, Osmosis, Secret Network, and no, sorry, Osmosis, Juno, and Crescent Dex. Mostly just because there was a lot of LPs sitting in the pools uh, that were going to get run over by impermanence loss. And so the validators decided to make the decision to uh, go ahead and, you know, protect the LPs on Osmosis 
uh, by turning off that channel. So there's actually a governance proposal up on Terra right now to reactivate the channel. So, you know, if you want that channel reactivated, um, just go ahead and make vote on that proposal. Gotcha. Yeah, I think um, a lot of our users, I know, because we actually had on loop, we had Osmo pools, we had secret pools, and we had um, Adam pools. And, you know, our users obviously now want to get those back, those assets back across. Um, so I'll definitely go and encourage everyone to vote on that proposal. Um, just one last question, Sonny, while, while I've got you here, and I think probably this is a question from, a, you know, a lot of um, Teradaps might have um, for, for Osmosis. And that is, um, are you guys planning on offering any kind of grants or any sort of um, funding support for people who are looking to move across? I know that Secret's doing that, and I think Juno's – I definitely know that Juno's doing that. Um, and I was just wondering if that would be an option for people looking across to, to move across to Osmosis as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so if you go to – so we have an Osmo, we've had an Osmosis Grants program for a little while now. Those, the first batch actually already happened. Um, you can check out the stuff there. But uh, yeah, so if you go to grants.osmosis.zone, uh, this was a it's, – it's a grants program. It's being run by the uh, Reverie team. They're the ones who you know, run the Compound Grants Program and DYDX Grants Program. Uh, so they're, they're, they're running the Osmosis Grants Program. Um, and you know, they got funded by the community pool. Uh, the, so the osmosis community pool basically has, um, you know, it has, I don't know, a couple, like maybe, you know, given current Osmo prices, maybe slightly under like a hundred million dollars in assets right now. Uh, it's mostly in, in, in Osmo. Um, but yeah, so the grants, so it got, the grants program got funded. It, you know, just get, held most of a treasury in osmo so it is a little bit uh the value of the grants program treasury right now is a little bit uh smaller and just given the number of teradaps that are looking to sort of migrate to osmosis i think uh the osmosis governance probably needs to re-up the grants program much faster than i originally expected but yeah so there's there's definitely a lot of uh, uh grants available and like we have a whole process of you know, going through it already set up. And so if you just, yeah, fill out, fill out, um, if you're interested, you know, fill out uh, the form at grants.osmosis.zone and, uh, you know, the grants committee will reach out to you pretty soon. That's awesome. Thanks so much. So I, I know. Up? Oh, sorry, Django, go ahead. Oh, um, well, what I'm about to open up is a whole can of worms. <laughs> so maybe you should go first. It, it, I think I was about to do the same thing, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so with, with I, I know some people here have mentioned um, Juno, and so I, what's helpful for listeners here to understand is some key differences between Juno and Osmosis. So, um, yeah, I, I, I want to open up with that. Um, if people aren't aware, there was one consequential governance vote on Juno. It's called, it was 16, and it had to do with um, the fact that there was a, you know, there's a ultra mega whale. He gained the Juno airdrop and basically just um, uh, because that person ran an exchange, had a lot of Adam, and because the terms of the airdrop were communicated early, um, like, Pre preemptive to the actual airdrop getting executed. So um, that way 
able to leverage the atoms held on the exchange that he controlled and then gamed it and then right, 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 he, huh? there's a there's a lot of asterisks <laughs> i would sorry this is I, I, something i was slightly passionate about but like there's a lot of asterisks there uh the 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 terms of the airdrop were not definitely not communicated uh bef before the airdrop was conducted the terms of the airdrop the concept of Juno did not exist at the time that the snapshot was conducted because the snapshot for Juno was based off of the same snapshot height that Osmosis used for its airdrop. Um, and what 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 Juno did was it had a whale cap uh, where it said every account uh, would get a maximum of fifty thousand Juno. Uh, it it was one to you got an airdrop one to one with the atoms in your account, but there was a quote unquote whale cap at fifty thousand, and there was a entity that you know for fund for like security purposes and fund like you know uh, they kept their uh, tokens in multiple addresses. You know that's probably good security practice, uh, and they had. So, you know, I would put the word gamed in massive asterisks because to me, gamed implies intentionality. This entity had accidentally, you know, uh, received a larger airdrop than they should have. Uh, but, you know, the terms of the airdrop clearly stated that every address is capped at 50,000 per, per account. So, you know, I think that there was... I, 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 you know, I disagree that the airdrop was gamed. Okay. Um, well, re regardless of the wording that I used, that, so some, somebody was able to get a lot of Juno, and the Prop 16 vote was about removing that person's assets on chain, right? So, so, so the the question is, what are the key differences between Juno and Osmosis as a layer one? Uh. Yeah. Um, so what are the key differences between Juno and Osmosis as a layer one? So, I mean, okay, look, I, I think the Prop 16 thing is definitely a difference, I would say, but that's, I, that's not the main difference. I would say is like, hey, this is like the defining thing, you know? Um, I mean, I think what it does do is it shows there's like a little bit of a cultural and philosophical difference between uh, Osmosis and like Juno. You know, I mean, I'll say it up front, you know, I think the, I think a lot of the early cause, you know, in the early days of Cosmos, I remember um, uh, there was this like running joke in the Ethereum community that everyone in Cosmos is actually uh, undercover Bitcoin maximalists, which is, you know, slightly true, I guess. Uh, we were definitely building Ethereum or, you know, next generation tech, but so had a little bit of Bitcoinerism in us. And, you know, I, I'm generally, I think governance is a, I think there's a lot of value in like governance minimization. I don't think governance should be used as a court. I think governance is, you know, the governance system of osmosis is something that's meant to guide the protocol and to, and decide how the protocol uh, should move forward and upgrade rather than it's, think of it as a legislative branch rather than a judicial branch. Um, and so I think that like it's not in the place. And, you know, given that the airdrop wasn't, in my opinion, gamed, uh, 
and, and so one thing that's worth noting is the same, like I mentioned, the whale, that the, the Juno airdrop was conducted off of the same airdrop as the osmosis, air, or same snapshot as the osmosis airdrop. And the method the osmosis airdrop used was also slightly sibilable, but, you know, we went ahead with that risk and said, you know what, it's worth doing this sibil, not, not fully sibil resistance airdrop because we think it will provide a better outcome in the end. We didn't realize that this entity had multiple addresses, but, you know, that was the rules of the airdrop. And, you know, that was, you know, they didn't have any prior information. So, you know, and I, I think it's, it's telling that the osmosis community didn't go after the whale's assets in the same way that the Juno community did, partially just because I think there's a different cultural and like philosophical basis. You know, I think the purpose of a DEX, to be the best DEX, we have to be like, you know, neutral and like not, yeah. Okay. So I think everyone gets what I'm saying there. Uh, what are the more important things of like the differences between Juno and Osmosis? I think a lot of it comes down to being a generalized smart contracting chain versus an app chain, right? So Juno is meant for this more permissionless uh, contract deployment. You know, anyone can go deploy anything they want there. Um, while Osmosis is, you know, like we mentioned at the beginning, really just focus on it has permissions. Cosmosm deployment is really focused on finding those like high quality dApps and deploying them. Um, and I think that's, you know, we're not looking to become the home of the dog coins and meme coins and, you know, NFT drops and stuff, right? We're, 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 we're trying to be the best DeFi platform possible and like build an entire chain who's built from the ground up to be that optimum DeFi platform. So. I think just a very different focus is there. Yeah, Django and I were actually like just about to ask pretty much the exact same thing. So maybe I can okay. expand on that same concept. To me, you know, looking at how Cosmos works now, looking at how governance, um, you know, like I could kind of maybe point out some of the governance sort of failures, whether it's on uh, Terra or elsewhere. And to me, it's like you, I think, Sonny, you brought up the, the most important point is that there's a reason why, like, for example, the U.S. Constitution, as an example, uh, has different uh, sort of like stop gaps uh, in government. It's not meant to be a court. You know, just voting is not like a way to judge something. There's actually a judicial branch. There is like the legislative, executive, et cetera. Um, but also, I, I find that in Cosmos or for that matter, for individual chains, I feel like we're missing like the constitution, meaning, uh, you know, there, there should be some votes that can't take away certain rights. Like, for example, if I were to come up with enough of a conglomerate to say like, OK, all of the Osmo tokens go to me, um, that should not be a something like that should not be something that could be voted upon, technically speaking. Right. It, it would violate like the Bill of Rights or whatever of the particular chain. You need a system uh, of rights to prevent tyranny of the majority. Exactly. Exactly. So like a bill of rights sort of like or, or a constitution for each for each chain, uh, I think would be encouraging. Um, th there's also, you know, when, when I'm like, let me just put it from the perspective of like just a newbie. Here I am with my, you know, Osmo tokens or my, you know, Luna or whatever, and I'm trying to vote on something. Um, the reality is like a, a lot of people. Uh, and this is true of voting for anything, really, I guess. But um, some votes are 
you know, not technically possible. Like I might, you know, put up a proposal and Sonny's like, Hey, this is stupid. It's like not even technically feasible. Um, it makes no sense. Um, or I might, someone might do that. And then I'm voting and I'm confused. I'm like, okay, wait, it sounds like a good financial vote, but maybe not possible from a technical perspective. Um, I think the problem also with the way that voting currently works is there's not really sort of like a system of ratings and reviews on the vote where, you know, I know you can go to forums and obviously debate these things. And I, I feel like those debates uh, to some degree get sort of like lost. <laughs> um, and maybe it's the same as true in human governance too. It's not like, you know, you watch a, you know, um, a political channel and everyone can figure out what the hell is going on. I get that. But it it seems like there are governance issues um, and, and I'm not so sure uh, Cosmos uh, has totally figured out uh, if you're going to have sovereign chains, right? Like you're basically sovereign countries. So therefore, like what is besides your white paper, um, what what is your overriding arching theme? Like what will Osmos go and do in the future and what will it not do? Because we believe that that's not the direction that, um, you know, uh, osmosis will go or whatever right like i think this is from a broader perspective of crypto um i don't think we have enough responsible people in governance that do that as a thing like particularly right like it's there's a lot of people that are devs there's a lot of people with technical knowledge i don't know maybe you could point out like what how, how you feel about like the 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 people that actually would be like elected to do governance sort of like representatives mm-hmm. yeah i think uh i think Cosmos governance has a long way to go. Um, so I'm actually the one that wrote the uh, original, the, the governance module that's like the default governance module that's used in basically every Cosmos SDK chain. And to be honest, I don't know if it's changed. I think out of all the modules in the core Cosmos SDK, I think it's the one that's changed the least since like it was first written, which is not great. Um, and, you know, I think we... We, we launched with a very simplistic governance system uh, and it hasn't iterated since then. And I think especially this week, to be honest, I think we've learned a lot of, you know, uh, osmosis is going undergoing this like uh, emergency hard fork. I think literally maybe as we speak or maybe in like 30 minutes or something, uh, or maybe it already happened. I don't know. Sorry, I'm on this Twitter space. But uh, the like it's, you know, we had to coordinate this to like, react more quickly and so you know osmosis governance voting period used to be three days but then they were extended to five days because of like you know to give more people time to think more clearly through proposals uh before voting on them but now like you know i think the five-day voting period before execution actually became an issue for like how osmosis uh sort of handled the crisis this week uh being able to like you know uh allow you know, uh, shifting liquidity, for example, or like being able to vote on like software upgrades to allow uh, bonded uh, UST holders, uh, LPs to um, unbond from their liquidity LP positions and things like this. So like, I think these are, um, so, you know, I think one of the things we definitely need is like some system of like deciding how, like, you know, reacting in cases of emergency uh, what we did was we had this like sort of off-chain process where we said, hey, if at least a two-thirds of supermajority of all voting power on the chain says that we need to act quickly right now, uh, we're going to like 
hard fork the chain to like bypass the five day voting process. And I think like building systems like this into the chain where like, you know, we can be a little bit more reactive when necessary, but slower when not, I think is a big, going to be really important. Um, to your question about like, you know, experts, quote unquote, you know, I think a lot of people often have like, you know, in a decentralized system, you need to stay away from that. I, you know, I think there's, I don't know if anyone's looked at the optimism uh, proposal for how they're doing governance. So they have this like two house uh, system where they're doing, um, they have like, you know, governance proposals on the optimist, on the optimism chain have to go. There's like, this like one house that was elected by an initial set of like, you know, com ecosystem participants. Not all of them were even part of the like optimism team, but just like people that like, they felt were, you know, had embodied the uh, cultural values they wanted the optimism chain to have. And then they had a second house that was a token holder vote based system. So that way you have to get approval of both for uh, proposals to go through. And I think, to be honest, I think that's actually a really great model that like we should, we should consider having in, uh, in, in Cosmos governance as well. Um, and yeah, constitutions, definitely. I think we definitely need that as well. But yeah, because we did actually have a situation arise uh, about maybe about a month or so ago, maybe a couple of months. I know time kind of flies around here. But um, like there was an entity that basically put a proposal up on Anchor Protocol um, that like functionally, like technically would create a mess, uh, wouldn't work. Uh, so number one, like the proposal didn't make sense on that level. And then a second level would be, okay, you know, would this make sense from a financial perspective, perhaps? Um, so there's just these different, um, it, it's just not an all or nothing thing. It's, it almost seems like there should be a several, like if you have your bill of rights, you say to yourself, okay, well, when you're voting for this, uh, you can also maybe uh, simultaneously put in um, maybe uh, a, not a bid, but a, um, a, you can fill in a poll which t says, okay, I'm voting for this, yes, because I believe it's high on its technical merits. I believe it's uh, high on its financial merits or whatever. And it, to me, like the voting process, uh, what oftentimes happens is you look at that and you go, hmm, looks like the community all wants to vote yes. Uh, maybe I should vote yes too, right? It's almost like uh, it's like a bunch of lemmings just all voting for the same thing. Uh, I think when you have a vote that has a lot of no's on it, then you start getting interested. You're like, wait, why are all these people voting no for this thing? You learn something each time that happens because uh, there may be some valid reason why that's happening. But I feel like this, the system is fairly ob uh, obscured uh, in terms of like how do you, like what kind of information the informed voter really needs to have. Um, it, it continues to be kind of an issue here, especially when you're dealing with massive quantities of money. Um, and, and the, the fallout from a governance attack can be quite severe. Um, and I, I don't know that there's a solution for it, but anyway, <laughs> just my ramblings. Yeah. Um, I think one process that Osmosis did recently that's been quite helpful, at least, is that we sort of like have this like, governance forum called Commonwealth, uh, and we kind of made, we kind of, uh, made it a requirement that people have to post like proposals there for at least a like a couple of days before they go on chain so that there's like time for like feedback and stuff rather than you know, proposals just showing up on chain and people start voting immediately. 
Yeah, for governance, there is a marked difference in timescales, you know, in proof of work systems versus something like Cosmos. Because if you look at Bitcoin or Ethereum, you know, it was basically like the entire scaling debate for Bitcoin took the span of like three to four years for it to pass just basically one governance proposal. And so in proof of stake systems, that um, that timescale is contracted by a lot. Right. So, you know, as we've seen, we even think that five days is a long time. But in, you know, proof of work systems, it's it's a matter of years. So. Yeah, it, it's 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 a little bit of social consensus that backs these things, and the sort of culture that a community has cultivated really, really speaks to that. So, yeah, like you, you know, it, it's without even a constitution, you know that Bitcoiners would never oblige um, proof of stake on Bitcoin, and just like. With Ethereum, um, they're never going to they're never going to be convinced not to move on to proof of stake. Uh, yeah, and, and with with Cosmos, I think that um, we're still trying to figure out what the core ideology is. And yeah, we're just it, it's 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 something that's backed by uh, social consensus right now. Yeah, so. constitutions are upstream of uh, like governance, but culture is upstream of constitutions yeah and, and it's a question of like how much power the stakeholders really have right it's so so if a proposal does come up and we say okay we're gonna take away and we're gonna single someone out and we're gonna take away their their funds um how much power does does that proposal really have like who really implements it uh, at the end of the day does it get passed that um those those are precedents that gets set. And then after you move forward from that, um, that kind of tells the story of what the chain is about. Uh, we have a few speaking requests, so we could we could bring on some additional speakers. Let's do it. I, I also had a, a question a little off topic from the governance, um, but more from kind of like a usability stance. Because um, <laughs> like right now, obviously, if I want to play around on Juno, maybe do some DeFi stuff and then go get some NFTs right now. I'd have to like pretty much IBC transfer to Osmo swap for stars, IBC back, um, go to the marketplace. And I know kind of in the future, you guys are going to try and integrate those, uh, swaps probably into like the Kepler wallet or something like that to make it more seamless. Um, but even with that, like, I mean, with Luna, it was just like you had Luna for everything. So you kind of knew the price of Luna um, and you just had it in your wallet to go do whatever in the ecosystem. But then I guess my concern for this from like a easy usability standpoint is like, are people going to need to <clears throat> remember like the conversion rates and star, like how much a star is worth and have like all these different assets in their wallet that are all for different things. Um and like, even if you can swap seamlessly in your wallet, I mean, you still have like, I don't know, six tokens or seven tokens that are all used for different things in the ecosystem. So I, is there going to be some way to make that like, I don't know, almost like a, have a universal ticker or something for you just know how much money is in your account? <laughs> I love that you mentioned the universal ticker. Um, so 
Okay, let me tell you about why I wanted to build a DEX. A uh, couple of years ago, I got really interested in monetary theory. And, you know, I basically, there's this course on Coursera. I highly recommend everyone in crypto go watch this course. Uh, it's called The Economics of Money and Banking. And when you go, I took it because, you know, you know, Bitcoin Maxi, and I was like, okay, gotta gotta go understand how the banks work. Gotta know your enemy to take them down. And I took I took that course, and I came out being like, holy shit, fiat is the greatest thing, like the greatest invention of the last hundred years. And I'm like, this thing is brilliant. Um, the gold standard does not work. Uh, and so, but then I, but but you know, but then you also learn about like, okay, here's all the things that happen along the course of fiat that like made it fall apart uh and like why it doesn't you know work as you would want it to work um and you know so that's why i was like okay what we need to do is build a vision of digital fiat where how can we take the best properties of fiat currency which is they are way way more stable than uh uh you know gold or bitcoin um but like make them so they don't have like the make them algorithmic uh algorithmic monetary policy instead of discretionary policy where you know uh the fed chair can say hey let me go change this one number by 0.5 percent because i feel like it and you know the economy crashes like you know how many billion hundreds of billions of dollars uh, trillions of dollars this like past week uh you know it has to be less discretionary more algorithmic and so um I've talked to Doe about this and, you know, we had two different ways of building it. You know, he's like, I'm going to go build. So, you know, long-term vision of Terra. I have this tweet. You can see it where like in my, in my timeline where I was like, if you think the point of stable coins is to long-term be pegged to the U S dollar, you're not seeing the bigger picture. Uh, and, you know, Doe agrees, but it's like, I think Terra, he's like, I can, I can go build an algorithmic fiat currency. That's one day, not, pegged to the dollar anymore using this mechanism and i'm like okay cool I, maybe that will work i don't know um i guess we'll never find out but the my solution was how will we actually change this all together so what is money money is three things you know store value medium of exchange unit of account you've all heard it before i think the goal of how what's going to change in the future going forward is these things become disentangled where what you want is a world where every asset can be used as a medium of exchange. So I would say in my wallet, I say, I want to be, you know, you, you, so what, what actually happened is, you know, you want a world where you can go pay in Apple stock and the uh, merchant receives Bitcoin or tokenized shares of their favorite NFT or wh whatever it is, right? And every asset becomes a medium of exchange that allows everyone to choose their own stores of value. Can I can be like, hey, I want my portfolio to be 50% Bitcoin, 25% Osmo, and 25%, you know, US dollars or something, right? And whenever someone pays me, it automatically pays me in that distribution. And and if you think about it, this is what Visa does today, right? I'm in Prague right now. I go swipe my credit card. 
I'm paying US dollars and the merchant is receiving, uh, they don't use euros here, they use kroner, I think. Um, but so how can we get that for every digital asset? And that's why I was like, okay, we need to build a DEX. Uh, and like first, you know, it's a long process where it's like, okay, we have to go first get every asset in the world tokenized, but also we need like a single DEX that can like be the liquidity center for this entire like flow of assets. So that, and, and how does this relate to monetary policy though? If you, so um, I don't know if anyone in the audience is from Chile, but in Chile, they have two units of account. They have uh, the Chilean peso, which, you know, you go to the store, you, you know, you, you pay for your food in uh, Chilean pesos. But they have this other unit of account called the Unidad de Fomento, which is UF for short. And what it is, is it's an index that's put out by the Chilean central bank every day, pegged to inflation, basically. And all your long-term payments are denominated in UF. So, you know, you know your, the restaurant, that's in Chilean pesos, but your rent, your car payment, your mortgage, these are denominated in UF. And this is like amazing because what it is, is it's a dictionary unit of account where it's not actually a real unit of account, but it, there's no asset. Today, the goal of the Fed is to manage the price of money uh, by adjusting the supply and demand of this asset called US dollars. I think in the future, what's going to happen is central banks are going to become standards and measures institutes that just study the economy, put it through an, or collect the inputs from the economy, put it through algorithmic monetary policy, and output an index that's a, a dictionary unit of account. And then people are, it doesn't matter because it's not a real asset, but people are just paying using any asset they want, and the merchants are receiving any asset they want. And we basically disentangled store value, medium of exchange, and unit of account. And so that was why I wanted to build a deck, because to, to move towards that world. Jay, I see you've got your hand up. Did you want to comment on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, this is a bit different, but I'm curious, like, uh, for Sunny as well, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've also staked Atom, so I got uh, Osmo and Juno, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, February last year. Um, uh, I really love osmosis, like the decks, uh, and I haven't, you know, uh, because of that, uh, I haven't really been, you know, into the Astro Wars, uh, I think before this crash, that's what was like the, the thing that was happening most on Terra. I'm curious, like your thoughts, especially on like the, the, the other dApps that you would like to see on osmosis, like, uh. I assume like uh, a Mars protocol, like a lending and borrowing protocol would be a nice addition on Osmosis. I, I'd, lo I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like, uh, because like for me, I think you've got it right when you say like uh, Osmosis can be like the interchain uh, AMM or DEX. I think, uh, it, it you know, Osmosis is really in the lead for that uh, as of now. Uh, but I think Astroport was also, you know, gunning towards that, like, you know, to be able to host uh, other IBC assets and, you know, to become really interchain. Um, I think they're probably, you know, at, back at the drawing board now. Uh, we haven't really heard from them in terms of like any future plans. So 
I'm curious, like how, uh, so maybe two or yeah, two questions, like how, how you would see a difference between osmosis and astroport, uh, co- uh, considering they're probably going to continue as well. And then, uh, like, yeah, what other dApps would you like to see on osmosis? Like, I, yeah, I think something similar to like maybe Anchor that's more sustainable uh, with the yields uh, or a Mars protocol. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, what else? Yeah, so um, so we have actually been building our own uh, lending protocol already uh, for the past couple of months called Isotonic. Um, and it was a lending protocol that's, that would be like basically built into the Osmosis decks. Um, Sonny, can, can I also make a, a point in just a second about the, the sort of inter, yeah, interchain sure. decks thing? Um, so Jay, I, I really liked your question about the interchain decks piece. And I think what sort of separates Osmosis from all of the other people who kind of want to do this interchain decks thing is they have been for the longest time at the forefront of IBC technology. In this world, Sonny's talking about where you're sort of seamlessly swapped in and out of these different currencies, and you as a sort of payee can pick what currency you're getting. Um, What that's going to require is sort of this automatic settlement behind the scenes, like even below the wallet layer almost, uh, it's just sort of like woven into the fabric of the interchain. And osmosis is between, you know, the interchain accounts stuff that, that you guys are going to be some of the first to deploy, the interchain queries stuff that, that folks are working on. Um, and then I think, you know, most interestingly, the, the Axelar bridge and the sort of ability to swap assets in and out via osmosis between any two ETH chains, say. And, you know, there's also sort of a, an equivalent protocol that needs to be built for IBC. Uh, but I think that what separates Osmosis from other DEXs is their pioneering technology, and they're, they are pioneering the technology to do this. And Astroport and all of the other DEXs that, that I've done due diligence on, like none of them have the same kind of vision around the interchain and are sort of like actively pioneering uh, the pieces of technology needed to get to that future and, and win that market before it's even started. And I think Osmosis really has that down in a way that no one else I've talked to does. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. That means a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just say that uh, I think that Mars is one of my favorite lending protocol designs I've seen. I think the idea of using the uh, uh, you know, uh, PCI, uh, PID controller uh, to like set uh, interest rates is like brilliant. Uh, I think that Isotonic has a lot of amazing ideas that I would like. I loved like innovations in like lending and leverage that I've seen. And I think they will go really great together. That's all I'll say. So, um, Sunny, the, the, the universe like you envision, I think, is very similar to the sort of like the, the world that, that I envision in that, like, basically, you have infinite forms of digital value transfer. There is sort of like this gray area between uh, what a stock is. Uh, excuse me, I have like this weird doorbell coming on. <laughs> um, there's a difference between like what a stock is and, and what a 
like um, a currency is at this point, you, it kind of blends together to the point where, okay, like I take my Uber tokens and I can go and fly on Lufthansa with them because like, you know, behind the scenes, like there's just no difference. Um, and, uh, you know, from, you know, my frequent flyer miles, I can then go get like, you know, a Big Mac and McDonald's or whatever. Um, I, I think the idea is that the end user ultimately has no idea or not that they don't have any idea, but they um, are like sort of owning something that's a, a piece of that company if they choose to and speculate on its value in terms of like, uh, you know, unlike a stock where, you know, like, I, okay, so I go to a, a gas station, I buy gasoline, but that doesn't mean I necessarily want to have exposure to ExxonMobil stock uh, or something like that. But if I'm going to plan on using you know, gasoline long term, then I probably should own some ExxonMobil stock, which, you know, interestingly, I do, because unless I'm at the point where I'm able to not use any of that, I can get like some value from that network. Um, and, and that's kind of like the universe I envision that this concept of money as it stands today itself is completely redefined. And I think that it's, I kind of follow along with where Sonny's going with the breaking down the differences between a store of value and, and, unit of count, et cetera, in terms of like how to make that world a reality. My thought was with Cosmos, like we would want to attract, ultimately have a system where like companies could build uh, by spinning up a chain. Like, so for example, if the Star Alliance, you know, of which is a, like a frequent flyer miles organization wants to bring together a chain to make it possible to swap between their assets and any other asset, then they could just spin up a Cosmos chain and do so. Uber could do so, et cetera, et cetera. Like eventually you'd want to attract the corporate world and like what would entice them to sort of like come into the system. And to me, that is where like the unification of all this comes together. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, Sonny, but like what you, what you're saying, like seems to me like the direction it almost inevitably will go. Um, it's almost impossible for it not to, in a sense. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's, you know, I think we're going to have to see a lot more work in, like, bringing more, like, non-financial use cases into blockchain, no, more non-financial assets into blockchain. And I think that's, like, one thing that's been finally happening in the last year, right? We've been talking about it for many, many years, and it's, I think in the last year is the first time we've started to see a more influx of non-financial assets. And it's like, to me, I think it's a little bit unclear whether, you know, I think eventually the, uh, the, the laggards will catch up. But like, I'm not sure that the, 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 the way we get towards this world is like the first, is that we, we start off with having tokenized versions of Apple stock versus having, uh, you know, the next Apple start off crypto native, right? Like, what is, you know, probably the most valuable company in the world created in the last like two years is probably like maybe like Uniswap or something. And like they don't have equity. They have a token that like everyone owns. Right. And it's like, you know, I, I think eventually, you know, we'll get those uh, legacy companies uh, doing over as well once they see that. Like, but I think, you know, to start off with, it's going to be the next generation of, you know, if Tesla was starting, I think, I think Elon said this before, where if like Tesla was starting today, he would not go equity route or something like that. But, you know, I think, I think token models are the future of how a lot of value in things is going to be uh, displayed. And then eventually we'll, you know, 
build bridges to the legacy world as well. Hey, I, I do want to go back to the discussion about having some sort of canonical fee token. And this just reminds me of ancient conversations that we've had in 2017 with Jay, where we talked about having a secondary fee token for the entire IBC economy. What are your thoughts about that? And I did ask um, Jay to actually come join us, but I don't know if he will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, generally not a huge fan of the idea, mostly because like I said, I think the, as soon as you require people to have a specific asset in order to be able to use it, even if it's a secondary, maybe even worse if it's a secondary fee token, I think the, the world we want is people be able to pay fees in any token they want rather than forcing yet another fee token down people's throats. Right. So, so you imagine there to be some sort of ad hoc consensus that forms around some canonical token rather than a, um, like an official one that's coming from the top down. No, no, I think what's going to happen is, you know, like I said, similar on osmosis today, you can already pay fees in any token you want. You can pay fees in Atom, Osmo, USDC, Luna, uh, Stars. You can, you can pay in all of these tokens today, and they all sort of just get converted to Osmo uh, to distribute to validators. But, like, you know, I think that model will actually end up spreading to every Cosmos chain. Mm -hmm, fair enough. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of a two-part Osmo Luna community space hosted by Cosmos Chango and Connor Bronston. Recorded on Sunday, May 15th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. In the darkest of times, when the phoenix arises out of the ashes like some burned up papyrus, open the sarcophagus and release the virus. Got a lump in your throat like tonsillitis. When the flags go up like everyone is righteous, spending government checks sniffing up the white dust. The previous generation wants to be just like us. Fuck that shit, I'm trying to be like Mike was. Drop the bias and you might survive this. The mummy coming through to remind your highness. I might just buy up my own fucking island, build a little bunker then wait for the timer countdown to zero day exploiting every exploit in your internet sex toys in emitting vibrations through the ether did you just come me either We're lost at the right time Blindly following stars in the night sky Part of me might ride away with the prize fight Man versus everything else until the time's right Unleash the cracking. No wait, that was crack Fuck now everybody feeling all amped up Fucking like bunnies to the national anthem Ugly little shits eating up all our rhythm Mishandling the captions Who has the answer? Holding our attention for ransom Fed up with all the red tape And the boring template Like it matters if it's a blue or red state Charged every month and we can't even cancel Feeling distressed? Fuck it, kill the damsel Fuck yeah, spread it like we're on some undead shit And pass the bitch around like a meme from Reddit In the beginning it was suggested That the mortality rate would be 5% And the numbers are so much higher We're not ready for the next epidemic so if your oxygen level falls too low and it cannot be kept up with just what we call 
nasal cannulas or rebreathing oxygen masks. If you can't get enough oxygen from that, then they will intubate the, the patient. Ten spaces.